Hello and welcome to the Four Comic Junkies podcast. When the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I'm your host, JJ Hodges, and this podcast is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network. Go to batman-on-film.com for all the latest, greatest, awesomeest, coolest, whatever he is, I don't know, news about Batman that you could ever want for your your wee little heart, as my guest might say today. Um, <laughs> speaking of my guest, uh, I have Jack Ingram with me, who has been on the Spider-Man podcast. I believe this is your first time on the Four Comic Junkie show. So uh, welcome, Jack. Thank you for joining me today. Hello. Thanks for having me, JJ. I come to you from the, the bottle country of Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. I have been a, I have been minimized, and um, I'm like looking up at you a, through a glass dome. <laughs> you know, it's I, I see you down there. You look great. Um, and uh, I'm sorry I can't free you, but I'm not actually Superman, despite what the shirt might tell you. So. Oh, damn. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm still in the Warner Brothers family. I'm wearing a Bugs Bunny um, jumper. So I, I did. I did notice that. I thought, <laughs> like, is that Bugs Bunny's feet that I'm looking at? That's pretty cool. <laughs> um. So we are in the summer of Superman, uh, having a ton of fun here, and uh, Jack reached out and wanted to be a part of this, and uh, suggested All-Star Superman, because it's a Scottish team, and I had to very reluctantly say that it's been taken. <laughs> uh, I kind of I, I kind of thought uh, uh, it would be, you know, it's, I mean, in my opinion, it is uh, the greatest Superman story uh, sure. in comic sure. books. Um, and it makes me feel quite proud to say that, um, yeah, because yeah. the the whole uh, art team on that book is uh, Scottish. You know, Grant Morrison, Scottish, um, right from writing it, obviously, right. uh, and then F- Frank Quietly um, and Jamie Grant, the art and color team, um, mm-hmm. are both uh, Scottish as well. Um, I mean, you you know that trio; they've worked on many things together um, of course with grant uh, and mark millar which uh, i want to touch on a bit today as well oh yeah yeah we'll uh we'll, i'm sure we'll get into him um <clears throat> but uh we are actually talking about uh the the first the first uh arc of morrison's uh, action comics run from the new 52 which is um i, I think I, 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 maybe you'll agree or disagree. I feel like it has sadly kind of been lost to time a little bit. When when it came out, it was cool and fresh and new, and then kind of fell by the wayside as you know Superman you know stories kind of moved on. Uh, but revisiting the story, I, I I forgot how much I just fell in love with it. Partially because Grant Morrison, like their brain is just on a different level, right? You know than how we think. <laughs> I know. I mean, like, like speaking generally, like, in a way, it is kind of lost because, you know, the the new Fifty Two has had like a bad rep, like on and off. You know, mm-hmm. like especially like looking back when it first came out, um, and to this day, you know, um, people still look down on the new Fifty Two. Yeah. Yes, there was um, some not so good stuff in there. But overall, I think the majority of it worked and was successful. 
and it's it certainly was successful um as a whole initiative and like reboot you know dc comics uh, as we know them today we wouldn't have half of well, probably like the creative teams that we do half the characters uh, mm-hmm. and the perceptions and that we have of a lot of the characters and even like a lot of like the readership and like the movies especially we wouldn't have today if it wasn't for the new 52 so maybe people might not like some of the books and the decisions that we made but uh but as an initiative i actually do think it was successful and there was a lot of great books and, and uh, you know people always like points to scott snyder's um batman yep. you know yep. jeff johns continued with like um his green lantern stuff mm-hmm. i actually really enjoyed brian azarello and cliff chang's like wonder woman same yep and obviously they got grant to start off a uh, writing action comics number one um with this whole new kind of original take. It, it it it's it's like it isn't it isn't right because it's Superman uh, and 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 I love Grant Morrison's way of thinking where uh there's you know like when he did All-Star Superman right you know it's like <clears throat> the idea was all-star it was supposed to be like all-star creators all-star characters but Grant Morrison took that so literally like well let's make him an actual star by the end of the book right um whereas in 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 action comics he's like what's action comics and it's it's full of action you know so he he takes the titles very literally (laughs) or they even like get into like the heart and core concept of the character you know like grant's very particular with uh, continuity and they're very uh, knowledgeable about uh, the history of all these characters you know when they approached uh, his batman run uh, the whole concept was you know, they looked at the whole history of Batman going back to 1939 and they tried to put it in a sequence and try and make things make sense mm-hmm. You know, every single issue between 1939 and now actually happened in one way or another Right, and when uh, Grant tackled Superman um, in Action Comics. I think it was the same, a similar sort of uh, approach in which they went right back to the origins of Superman um, and like tried to mould it into a, a modern story. Because this, because uh, the Superman that were introduced at the beginning of Action Comics isn't necessarily the Superman that we know from a like wider media that the general public would probably consider to be Superman. Right. Not, uh, not, not necessarily like the, the Christopher Reeve version that had kind of been widely accepted and, and even quite different from the all-star Superman version of the character. Um, you know, a much more rough and tumble character. Yeah. And I like that the Superman you know, he's, excuse me, for lack of a better term, depowered, right? You know, he, he can't fly yet. You know, he's he's strong, but he's not as strong as we know Superman to be. Yeah. And, and this is uh, Superman back, almost back to basics, you know. He's, he's uh, faster than a speeding bullet, stronger than a locomotive, and he can leap tall buildings in a single bound. 
Yes. And, that, yeah. and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that that's, you know, that's such a, an interesting way into the character because it allows us as the fans to kind of ease into the story a little bit. And especially going after, and, and much like Siegel and Schuster were doing back in the, in the 30s and 40s, you know, being very rough and tumble and going after like corrupt people versus like fighting you know, supervillains, which happens in this story, of course, yeah. but it, it, it starts off very like, you know, you're taking advantage of, of you know, poor people and I'm going to beat the crap out of you until you stop doing it. <laughs> I mean, this, uh, I mean, it goes, like you were saying, it goes back to the, to Siegel and Schuster's origins of Superman. Um, and he wasn't um, like a, this, like a, amazing superhero that fought supervillains and went mm -hmm. to space. I mean, all that and fighting giant robots, that sort of thing would come later. Right. He like he started off as a very um what I would say would maybe be like a very like working class um superhero. You know, it kind of and like that's what Grant um gives us in action comics. It's a very much a working class, boots on the ground uh, hero. I mean, is it Abraham Lincoln that said, you know, it's he's like for the people, by the people? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and that comes from, you know, the idea that like Superman is this uh, ultimate, like, illegal alien and immigrant. Mm -hmm. Like going back to his creation, you know, Joe Schuster, uh, Schuster um, is Canadian. Mm -hmm. And I think that outsider's perspective gives us a very unique look at the character. Um, you know, Grant, obviously, um, possibly one of the greatest writer of American comics and superheroes that we have. Um, and they're from Glasgow, Scotland, <laughs> and he's given us some of the greatest superhero stories. And I think that unique outsider perspective, you know, coming from myself, who is Scottish, you know, um, is very interesting to me, as opposed to an American writer writing for Superman, you know, because don't mean to offend anyone, but what America thinks of itself for good and bad, is totally different from what the rest of the world sees in America. You know, sometimes I feel like, you know, like if, if you're an American writing Superman, you're looking at it from the inside out. You kind of see what America really is. But if you're an outsider looking at... Um, America from outside in, we can kind of see what America should be or mm -hmm. could be because we're not there, you know, day to day seeing the things that you're seeing, you know. Yeah. Um, um, it... And I think, you know, with Morrison viewing America through the lens of um, Superman's America is very different from what an American writer would give us. Mm -hmm. Like, and that includes uh, 
you know, Mark Millar is a similar thing. You know, he's written some great Superman stories as well, and he's also um, from outside Glasgow. And in a similar vein, you could also look at uh, like Garth Ennis, who's Irish, and their uh, Punisher run, and of course Preacher, are incredibly American stories. Oh yeah, but I don't necessarily think an American writer could have told those particular stories because as I said we have a different um, view or image or opinion and we see America differently you know it uh, I I have to agree with you because I, I love the meme of uh, it's like how America sees itself and it's a picture of Superman like how the rest of the world sees America, and especially of Homelander from the boys, you know. <laughs> and and every time I see that, I, I laugh. You know, my the mother of my child actually texted me that one day, mm-hmm. and I, I just laughed and and responded and said, "Yeah, no, that's one hundred percent correct." I mean, I didn't. I, I obviously don't mean to offend, but no, 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 of course. But uh, but what America sees and what the rest of the world sees can be really quite different a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And when you're an outsider writing writing Superman, who is essentially, you know, considered to be the greatest American superhero, but they're not themselves American. So in this action comics, it's a very interesting view of the world. So this is a very sort of working class American hero. You know, I mean, he grew up in the heart of America. You know, he grew up in a Kansas farm. Yeah. So, and a lot of the story in action comics that it presents is this idea of like, you know, nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what the, you know, you, you talking about that story of, of, of an outsider, right. Writing outside America, writing an American superhero. It is sort of fitting for Superman because Superman is an outsider, you know, Clark, Clark Kent doesn't really fit in. And the story kind of shows that really, really well, where this, this is being kind of the, "Quote unquote," if it's a new origin for Superman, uh, which it was at the time, you know, he's he's not the Daily Planet. He's not romantically involved with Lois Lane. Lois Lane doesn't even really like him, you know. So he's he's just kind of scraping by, getting, you know, doing his stories uh, for the Daily Star, uh, which is another kind of deep cut Superman thing, which I I like, and um, and you know, he's he's, he's buddies with Jimmy Olsen. And Lois kind of calls him out, like, well, you know, why are you texting Clark Kent? He's a competition. Like, you know, yeah. you're with me. And, and and so having that kind of outsider perspective where Superman literally can look above and see how the world should be versus how it is. Yeah. I like this idea of Superman who's kind of more in the thick of it. He's not flying yet. He's not um, as all-powerful as he could be. But... Yeah. <clears throat> You know, but he's still, and it's funny because when I was rereading it, I was like, it's so funny him going after like the Glenn Morgan guy and being like, you know, you're going to confess to everything you did. And the guy's okay, fine. I did this, you know, my, my, you know, I, I cheated on rent and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and it's like, it's such a naive view of, of things. Like, and all I could think was like, ah. Oh, Clark, man, that ain't gonna hold up in court. <laughs> you can't be hurting people like that. But it's, yeah. uh, but it's also like, 
but it's also relatable. Like who among us hasn't wanted to grab our landlords and just go like, stop, you know, stop, you know, shaking me for every dollar I got, you jerk, you know? Um, I mean, that's a, that, that's what I really appreciate and like about the story, you know, um, you know, like I said, like I call this Superman, he's a very like working class Superman. Exactly. And, yes. And even in his, in his personal life, you know, they come, he comes from, like a simple farm life in Kansas, you know, mm -hmm. farmers can be really well off. Um, and you do get rich farmers, but that's not always the case, you know. And and if they are, you know, it's a very it's a hard life. They have to graft and work hard at it. Yep. You know, they're very down in the dirt. Um, coming from a small town, they see a different um side of the world you know i mean obviously you know speaking generally going back to morrison and like millar you know that that's what i think morrison millar and millar can really tap into that because mm. I, don't, I don't know necessarily know much about the sort of class system and like kind of modern day america but uh, but Scotland as a country is a very sort of you know working class um, country you know uh, you know to give and we're not exceedingly well, well off you mm. know compared to, compared to England you know um, I mean that's a whole other conversation you know it's sure. I mean, that's <laughs> that's where the, that's where the the government is and that's where all the money is. So I've heard. <laughs> yeah. But um and like more specifically, like looking at the area of Scotland where, where Morrison is from in Glasgow, and to some extent like Millar, who's from Coat Bridge, which is kind of a town outside of Glasgow. Hmm. You know, Glasgow is historically a very working class uh, you know, city. Historically it was it's a very industrial city, you know. Mm. There's shipyards there, um, so there's this history of hard working, boots on the ground, you know, shipyard workers, steel workers, sure. uh, a lot, a lot of unions and um, a lot of organised crime come out of Glasgow, mm. and I can see a lot of that influence. Uh, in this action comics run i think it, it it's interesting because it, it's as the story kind of ends with you know like superman literally on an alien spaceship you know battling you know kind of a a, a gross scary looking brainiac right like the caterpillar yeah. scary yeah. looking big brain brainiac um and again, feels very Grant Morrison-y. It's like, well, they brainiac, and you should have a big brain. <laughs> <You> know, <kind> yeah. <laughs> like, let's take it so literal. Um, I really like that uh, the the interpretation of like brainiac like in this uh, story. Was, um, spoiler alert! Like at the the first half of like the arc, like they're kind of hinting at this sort of a uh, tech sort of internet problem, and things are going wrong. Yes. Yes. And then it's revealed to be a Brainiac collect, uh, collecting, obviously, information in um, cities. But I think it it's, it comes from uh, the Superman animated series, 
Yeah. Because I think in that Brainiac is a uh, Krypton's like AI. Right, right. Which uh, which is kind of what we're presented in this story. You know, it's um you know, on Krypton Brainiac is called Brainiac, but on Earth uh, he's known as the internet. <laughs> yeah, I and I think that that's such an interesting way to do it. And and I love uh the 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 Lex Luthor of it, right? Where he's very much against a, a Superman, but wants to so a, anything he can to eliminate Superman. You know, in terms of the, oh, he even has this outside influence, which turns out to be Brainiac, which is fairly obvious, you know, by reading the story even before it's revealed. Um, so it, it it just yeah, I have to kind of laugh at the the Luther Brainiac team up, which is a classic, you know, yeah. trope in the comic books anyway, and and having. Superman say it's like, well, you know, you need one alien to beat another alien type of thing. Yeah. Um and it is just and I and I love that Lex is for as smart as he is, he's he's kind of an idiot where, you know, he's like, you know, you, you said you'd spare me if you know I helped you and, and Brainy's and like, I am I am sparing you. You're in the bottle city, you're fine. <laughs> that's just uh, you know, typical Lex to me. Because I see Lex Luthor as a character who is He's his ego is so big and he's so far up his own and ours basically that you know it's he he think he always thinks he is and chances are he is the yeah. smartest man in the room and because he has such an inflated opinion of himself he thinks he's bulletproof right and, you know metaphorically not like Superman bulletproof right right. I, I like um I think my <clears throat> one of my favorite images uh in any Superman comic is is the ending of chapter one, right? When mm-hmm. Lex figures out how to trap Superman and, and General yeah. Lane the whole time is going on, like you said you'd get a Superman, like and and Luther's just like you can almost hear Clancy Brown, right? Like patient, patient. Yeah. I, I have it all figured out. And then yeah. he's like sipping a, a martini or something, and Superman's pinned against the wall from the train. Yeah. You know, so like you know, the faster than a speeding bullet kind of a thing. We're more, or I should say, excuse me, more powerful than a locomotive. It's like, yeah. well, not this Superman, right? You know, he's, you know, he's, uh, and he, he's, and, uh, he's, li- he's literally beaten by a locomotive, essentially. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, and Lex even says throughout it, you know, you, you can't use regular bullets against this guy. You need a big bullet, and yeah. and I think the whole time we're all kind of going. What does he mean by that? What does he mean by that? And even I think General Lane says, "What do you mean by that?" And then suddenly it's like, "Oh, there's the 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 nose of the train yeah. looks bullet enough that it's pinned him against the wall." And it's just it's such a cool image. And then of course, you know, Superman being, you know, stuck in an electric chair and being tortured, and 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 I like that this is, you know, it, it's such a different version of Superman. We like I said, he's more rough and tumble. So when he gets out, I mean, he's Yes, he's not just going to walk out and go, gentlemen. You know, I know you're just following orders, but that's not okay what you did to me. You know, he's going to yeah. get out and be like, I'm going to kick the crap out of you guys because yeah. you know that's not okay. <laughs> I mean, and I mean that to me, I don't know about you, but but that's much more realistic and true to life. Sure. You know, if, if if I if I was invincible and could survive torture, and I got out. I mean, I wouldn't be happy about it. <laughs> oh, it it's very uh, it's it's very season one Smallville, right? You know, yeah. have you ever watched Smallville? Yeah, yeah. So like, 
you know, there's there's an episode where like Lex is brainwashed and he, and he shoots Clark with a machine gun, mm-hmm. and and Clark just has bruises all over his all over yeah. his chest, and and I always like that image because it just I, I like the idea of his powers are getting stronger as he gets older, yeah. you know, and then like I mean, Kingdom essentially, it was like Superman is essentially a solar battery. Yes, so it makes sense that when he's younger, he won't be as strong mm-hmm. and as he gets older and absorbs more of the sun's radiation he gets stronger and you know and by the time he's 30 or whatever he could very well be one of the most powerful beings and right. like right. we will eventually get the superman that we know and over the course of this story obviously you know we do see him get more and more powerful and Mm-hmm. Uh, we see the origins of how he gets the costume, and and by the end of it, uh, you know, we start off as this with this very boots on the ground Superman, as you say, as a very kind of rough and tumble, and he gets bruised. But by the end of this first uh, sort of arc, you know, he's meeting the Legion of Superheroes. He's mm-hmm. got the costume. He has this history. He's fought villains, and we're presented with a much more um, not sort of back to basic Superman, but more a, a Superman that's more uh, familiar to us. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's funny you, when you say boots on the ground. It makes me think of the image when he's going to launch himself into space to go and and fight Brainiac and get the shrunken city of Metropolis back, yeah. and and his his boots literally tear. Yeah, so it is almost like the metaphorically like. Here's the boots on the ground, Superman, and now he's transitioning into the traditional yeah. Superman. That can he, fly he, he's, and... he's, he's literally coming out of his boots. Yes, <laughs> and and then like in the next scene on the ship, that's when he gets the quote unquote you know, traditional New Fifty Two version of the Superman costume. It, and I, you know, it, and and that's kind of the funny thing to me is. <clears throat> You know, for a while in the in the Silver Age comic, pre-Crisis comics, you know, Superman's costume was just as invulnerable as he was. Mm-hmm. And the New 52 reintroduced that thing. This is you know, indestructible armor, like he says a bunch of times. He's like, you know, Brainiac, that was your big mistake, bringing me onto the ship so I can get my indestructible armor. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, geez, like, <laughs> these smart characters are not very smart in this book. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I mean, what what I really uh, thought was quite interesting about um, like the the suit that he picks up, which is uh, essentially it's it's a it's a some sort of like smart um, nanotech uh, material like from Krypton, right? And there's an image that we've not really spoke about the art uh, much, but Rags Morales does a really good job at depicting Superman and Clark. Uh, in this, but there's an image where they're on a uh, Brainiac ship, um, and he's got the the new suit on. And the reason why it become the suit becomes red and blue is because it adapts to its surroundings, and like it's an, in an American city, so it picks up the red and blue colors. And yeah, then there's a yeah. scene where, in the fight, um, Superman gets knocked through other bottle cities from different planets and as he gets knocked through and smashes into the other 
city's planets, uh, mm. planet cities. Yeah, the costume changes every time he hits a new city. Yeah, yeah, because it's, 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 it's adapting to uh, its surroundings. You know, right. It's what well, it starts off red and blue because he's in America, um, and then he gets hits a planet uh, or a city, should I say? Sorry. Um, and the suit becomes like green, and then I think it's like almost like yellow or blue at one point. Right. Yeah. It. I. I have to admit that that it, that took me a minute <laughs> when I was rereading it to go. Why the hell does the suit keep changing color? <laughs> um, because the. I mean, maybe I just think. Because I mean, obviously, not. That I'm saying that you don't, but because I'm an artist myself, you know, I do. Like I notice these things. <laughs> no, I. I um. You know, because you figure like these, these books were a big deal when they were coming out. So it's like they're they're not just throwing any any kind of thing out there. Whereas like back in like the, you know, if you look at like the filmation, like Superman, Batman, Super Friends stuff, like the the colors would randomly change. Like you know, there's there's the memes of of Batman holding like a note, and he's like, wait a minute, this note from the Joker. And then when it's a close up, he's not wearing his glove, so it's yeah. like what color it is. Yeah. Um, so you figure they're not doing that here. They're they're smarter yeah. than that now. They're taking the time to, to say no, no. We're gonna if we're gonna color it differently, it's because the suit is adapting to its uh yeah to the different uh you know planets or whatever. Um, one one thing I I didn't like was that Superman for the most part is wearing like a white or, or excuse me a, a blue Superman T shirt. Yeah. Because I thought it was a fine look, and then but like in the second half of the story. He's wearing a white Superman T-shirt. And I was like, "Why is it white? Like, what are you doing, man? Like, yeah. it just—it was just such a strange, like." I mean, I mean, to me, I, <laughs> I mean that—that's just a. I kind of see it. Well, I think, like his blue T-shirt's like all ripped up and destroyed, and he goes home and like the only one that the only T-shirt that's clean is a <laughs> is a white one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I, I I buy that. I just, but I would also argue that. Well, why, why doesn't just have, have multiple blue? T-shirts? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Um, but and you know, that's a whole other discussion. I mean, I mean it's like, not. It, no, it like, so, no, no. Yeah, I was going to say it doesn't ruin my enjoyment of the story. Mm-hmm. I just was sitting there reading it, going, "Why is it white now? It, it yeah. looks silly." But you know, technically, the whole thing of just him wearing it like his his baby blanket as his cape is, is all. Yeah. That's all a little. I mean, silly, that's but, a really interesting. Like a facet of as well, because obviously you know we said he picks up uh, you know the suit from the ship, but he's always had uh, the cape. Um, yeah, which uh, as you say it was his baby blanket mm-hmm. um, from from Krypton that he was bundled in, and I guess as he's gotten older, he just he decided to use it as a cape because I guess the fabric is indestructible. Right. Right. And 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 I like that aspect of of it that the the armor is indestructible, the cape is indestructible. Like these things that come from Krypton that are soaking up the the you know the sun's radiation yeah. uh, become indestructible. That that I buy. Um, and and again, like I said, I, I like that Superman's power. He doesn't just you know because it it was like this in the in the original comics, like. I think in the original comic, everybody from Krypton had superpowers. Yeah, and then that begs the question: Well, then why didn't they all escape the planet when it was exploding? So yeah. then DC retconned that, and <laughs> for, for the better, obviously. I mean, um, that's uh, uh, 
that's something that's quite interesting that we see um in the book there's a there's a few scenes um where we get to see a uh, life on krypton in its final days yeah um and we see a little bit of uh, you know lara um at a party with her family and they're talking about oh you're essentially you know it's like the old scene of like oh crazy Jarrell thinks the world is coming to an end yeah, <laughs> that, will, yeah. that will never happen five minutes later they're all dead <laughs> I, I, it's that kind of stuff that i i really like because again i think um there's a uh, and, I, and i've said this before on the show <laughs> there was a great uh uh tweet of bean kane when when uh the pandemic was, was really big and before we had you know the uh vaccine and everything where he had to wear a mask on a plane and he says oh having to wear a mask all the time hope i don't get dane bramage and then somebody retweeted it and said you either die a hero or you live long enough to be one of the idiots that didn't listen to Jorel." and and i just laughed and thought you know is this what we've come to i mean yes not to get into it too much because because I'll just get angry and annoyed, like as I'm sure you will. But yes. uh, <laughs> but yeah, like very much so. He's uh, he would uh, be one of the first people to get instantly vaporized by a meteorite or fall down a giant chasm, and it's like wah wah. <laughs> exactly. And that's the end of him. Yeah. It's like, well, uh, remember when he was Superman? <laughs> you know, like couldn't, not... couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. <laughs> not no more. <laughs> Um, the whole scene, like uh, on Krypton, you know, with with Lara and Jarell, it, it reminded me a lot of um, the opening scenes of uh, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We get to see, uh, you know, it's we get to see what happens essentially in life in Krypton before the destruction of the planet, right? And a bit more of kind of how that society functions. Yeah. Have you have you ever read? Um... Because while this was coming out, there was George Perez was doing Superman number one, and he was writing and drawing it. Have you ever read that? Because I've actually never read that, but I I know that he didn't know what Morrison was doing, and he was super pissed off about it. But yeah. and I, I think I had read well, like when the New Fifty Two started, I I think I picked up majority of the first couple of issues of. Uh, most of the books, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I read Action Comics, like the at least the first arc when it first came out. Sure. I, obviously, I was reading Batman and Wonder Woman. Um, I think I might have read a little bit of uh, George's uh, Superman because I think it was it not George Perez and it was um, it was it Jose Marino was drawing it. I I think. Or, I uh, think Jesus, so, Jesus some, Marino, sorry. something like that. Uh, yeah, and I, I, think I never more, that was more of uh, it. Certainly wasn't what Morrison was doing, right? From what from what I recall, it was a much more not traditional Superman story, but much more. It was more like a like Superman kind of as we know him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't anything to do with uh, with his origin. I think it was just Superman being Superman, right? And and I think that's sort of where, like, and I've said this before on the show. My biggest critique with the new Fifty Two is is that I sort of wish they had just gone all in and just done an origin of the story 
or, 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 of the whole history. Like, if you're going to yeah. start Superman, like, this is, you know, he's yeah. six months into being Superman. Yeah. Like, you should have start, done that with every character. Yeah. I and mean, it's kind of a... I think, you know, like, what, although at the beginning, obviously, I said that I think overall, as an initiative, it was successful. And I think they achieved what they were trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I can also say that about Heroes Reborn. I think, as an initiative, Heroes Reborn was technically a success. Mm-hmm. Um, this is despite what was happening, like, in Marvel at the time, you know. Um, but technically, you know, it was a success. Like it, it made money and it brought in readers. I mean, that that's all the company wants, essentially. <laughs> uh, what I kind yeah. of feel what happened with the new Fifty Two was they tried to have their cake and eat it too. Yes, you know, like, they had a, they tried to like restart the universe, but also keep people happy and keep things but get rid of other things and change certain things but it doesn't make sense with other things and I think they kind of lost a, a little bit of their cohesion and relationships with other books because I think if you look at all the New 52 books uh, like individually within their self-contained worlds and stories mm-hmm. I think they work really well even some of the less successful books, like if you just look at them, like kind of being self-contained within their own sort of book, mm-hmm. it works. But when you have like, um, you know, there was the action comics of which is obviously the origin of super started off with the origin of Superman, um, and then the main Superman book was like. In the like five years in the future, when he's uh, running about, and then they had the Justice League book, which was somewhere between that, and then the Batman book was almost further out because it didn't really make sense. Because if he goes through like six Robins within five years, he's a <laughs> terrible person. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know? So, like, in five years, your adopted son grew up, you fell out, your second son was murdered, and then the following year you had another child whose, like, father was murdered, and then then that same year you meet your adopted, uh, your biological son, and you forget (laughs) about your adopted son, and then all this happens all within, like, five years. Like, Bruce, you're a terrible, terrible father. You're a terrible person. (laughs) It yeah that that took a a lot of uh, convincing on the fans' parts. It's like, wait, how did he go through all those robins in five years? And yeah. and like Dan DiDio and Jim Lee at the time just kind of shrugged and said he did it. Yeah. <laughs> and then they you know when they did Rebirth, it was like, oh, it turns out Doctor Manhattan messed with everything, huh? Yeah, yeah that makes sense. I mean, right? say, <laughs> I mean, talking about uh, like Dan DiDio and as a whole different bag of worms. That's a whole new conversation. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's amazing how uh, diverse uh, and how much more representation and different and interesting stories and creators we're getting in the last uh, few years since Dan left. That's quite interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. And it, 
Yeah, like I said, that's a whole other conversation. I mean, the new 52 was his idea to say mm. we, we should restart everything and, and booth sales. And from a business point of view, you can't blame him, right? Yeah. You know, uh, but I'm, if, I'm not I'm not saying he's like all evil, you know, evil. Oh, evil. yeah, yeah. He, he did a lot of good, especially in bringing in, you know, different creators. You know, we wouldn't have Grant Morrison writing for DC. Right. Uh, if we didn't have Dan, you know, because Dan brought in uh, Grant uh, to write Batman, and then that started the whole thing. Um, you know, Dan kind of brought in Jeff Johns. We mm-hmm. wouldn't have Jeff Johns or uh, the mo- the last 20, 25 years, however, however long sort of... Uh, sort of vision of the DC universe that we've got in the moment, if it wasn't for Dan. Sure, sure. He still did some things that weren't great. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. No, well, I mean, you know, and like you said, that's kind of a whole other conversation, but... um, We're we're here to talk about Superman. Yes. (laughs) Well, what I also liked about... uh, Story, especially you know, in the I don't know how you feel about the story overall, but I enjoyed the first part of the arc much more than the second half. I think the sort of um working class boots on the ground Superman is more interesting, and I wish that I'd, we'd seen more of that. And like, instead of that, uh, that kept going longer than just like two issues. Because essentially we get two issues of him on Earth and then everything starts to go intergalactic. But what I really liked was uh, how it kind of portrayed um, Clark's intelligence and it was and yes. like him being a journalist uh, and the sort of like conflicting journalistic approaches between like Clark and and Lois. Uh, I know, and the idea of, well, you know, how... You know, Clark Kent isn't necessarily always considered to be the smartest person in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. But he is one of the most like smartest because that son's energy fuels all his cells, including his brain cells. I mean, and that's one of the reasons, one of the many uh, factors that makes him a really good journalist. And I like the kind of idea that the story almost kind of puts well the question, you know, what makes a good journalist? And or to be more specific, what makes Clark Kent specifically a good journalist? I I think he's he's drawn really well when he's Superman. You know, he's you know he's tough. He's tough about you know like I'm you know even with the t shirt and everything. But yeah. when he's Clark, you know he's wearing baggy clothes. His hair is a mess. He just looks totally disheveled, and he looks like he's been beaten up. Like his landlady even says, like you know yeah. you're getting into scrapes again. And he's like, well you know I got to get the truth right. And I yeah. like that aspect of him. But yeah, I think, you know, that that's something that, uh, you know, and, and I've said this before in other episodes, that, you know, it's an aspect of, of Superman that gets lost sometimes, not yeah. having the um, the, the journalist side that he, yeah. he, he, you know, of course, like the whole thing is right. Truth, justice, and well, you know, a better tomorrow is, as it's now, as yeah. it's now known. Uh, I, mean, but, I think that's what, that's what eventually, uh, like you said earlier, you know, like this version of Clark and Lois are at odds at first. Yes. But what I think brings them together 
in this story and in general, I guess, is I mean, they are both journalists, you know, they mm-hmm. met they met through their journalism career, essentially. And I think they're both their motivations are very similar. I think Clark and Lois, their main drive to become a journalist is that search for truth. Yes. Um, and their their high their high morals. But I think those uh, those morals and that search for truth comes from different places. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at Lois, you know, she's she's an army brat and you can imagine that she grew up with a very, you know, regimented sort of life as a child and yep. her general dad instilled in her very strong morals of right and wrong and justice. And this is the way that America specifically works. Yeah. These are the laws. You have to behave, stand to attention, you know, salute the flag and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Lois sees that, but also the opposite of that. Um, and and in a way, even though she came from a sort of army sort of brat background, probably moves around a lot and stuff, it is a somewhat privileged background. But I think Clark's search for truth kind of comes from a much more a down to earth sort of. Well, it will coming from Kansas, that sort of like Middle America sort of approach, you know. Yeah. Um. You know, it's not talked about a lot, but you know, coming from a the part of America that he does in Kansas, you know, mm-hmm. um, the the Kents are probably very religious, and they go to church every Sunday. And Clark probably grew up, um going to church and uh, with a very sort of Christian background, you know, coming from a farmer's farmer life. They're very sort of uh, people of people of the earth, you know. Um, I know the farming community is a very like close knit community. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a like, Smallville uh, is a small town and he looks from a small town at the big city um which maybe some, uh, which like Lois on the other side of the spectrum comes from. So I think that's that's where Clark's sort of like moral sort of search and morality and like search for truth comes from. Um, no, I I I think that's spot on, and it it makes uh and it makes a lot of sense for this story, and 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 none of that is is directly stated, but we're inferring all of it from this from the book, and yeah, and I and I think that that the genius of of the book in and of itself, and I and like I said, Grant Morrison's brain just works on a totally different level than yours or mine, yeah. <laughs> and um, and it's especially true of like you know they they do the Legionnaire stuff like the gay men and everything that yeah. that stuff like threw me for a loop where I was just like, what the hell is going on now? You no, know, that like, was that was wild. You know, it's a like in this, in the the last couple of issues of this arc, you know, it's there's this group of villains and um, we're kind of presented with the idea, you know, it's well, it's that well, it begins from the very beginning. Like in the first issue, there's this like little man in a in a suit and tie that works with uh, Glenn Morgan, and you're like, yeah, you're like who is he? And like he's uh, he conveniently keeps popping up, and you're like, who is this man? Right. And eventually, he's revealed to be like 
a villain that's controlling this uh, group. I don't actually know who he is, if he was a pre-existing character or not. No, um, I'm not sure. But uh, they're like, oh, where are the, where is this group of uh, supervillains hiding? And then the Legion discovers that um, Clark was shot by kryptonite, a hollow kryptonite bullet that's lodged in his brain. And then the villains are miniaturized and are living inside the bullet inside Clark's head. Which, I, like, who thinks of that? <laughs> it, that's that's my brain's exploding. Just you know, just, you, you can't see it. That's melting out of my ears, listeners. <laughs> that's, that's Jack, it's not, it's not a it's not a pretty sight, guys. <laughs> uh, it's it's something, uh, yeah, but you know, but it's you know that's sort of the you know, but it's also Morrison having their cake and eating it too, right? You know, like, let's tell a very boots on the ground story, but let's not go like go into the future and do this cool miniaturized thing and. You know, where it's just like, hey, you know, it's it's fun to read. You know, you know what's interesting about Morrison's sort of like general take on Superman is that we've seen them kind of tackle Superman throughout his whole life mm-hmm. um, through varying different um, stories. Uh, you know. One of their first times writing Superman was um, in his Justice League run, JLA. Mm-hmm. And that was very much uh, a traditional Superman as a superhero. Yes. Um, you know, high-flying, working with the Justice League, the most powerful man on Earth. And then when we write, when he write, uh, when they write, sorry, um, uh, All-Star, it's it's almost like a continuation of that, you know. He has been a superhero, but he's coming to the end of his life, and yeah, yeah. and that goes on to DC uh, One Million, mm-hmm. um, which ties into that. And then going back with uh, Action Comics, we see the beginning of Superman's career, and um, we see him as a child and um, grow up. So we could put all these stories in order, you know. I can easily see this action comics boots on the ground superman become a uh, the superman in jla and dc one million yeah obviously, yeah. Not, obviously not exact you know like at the beginning of action comics it, one big change that we have is the kents are dead from yeah the yeah which just was something new and i, I remember when the book first uh, came out a lot of people had a lot of issues with Mm-hmm. Because the Kents were always such a big part of, um, you know, Superman's story. At least one of them was, and you know, like some a lot of times, you know, Pa Kent is dead. You know, yeah. when you look at like the Christopher Reeve, Richard Donner movie, you know, um, a big part of that was Pa Kent dying. Of course. Um, and but like throughout, like John Burns, like Superman, like the Kents were a big part of it. They were. The Kents were a huge part of um, the animated series, um, so it's a really it's really interesting to see a Superman that doesn't have that direct connection to his humanity that he can yeah. like, go, go back to. Like uh, you mentioned earlier, like there's the Landlord, and I think uh, his Landlord is kind of a replacement for for the Kents in a way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Throughout the story, she discovers his secret identity. So, yeah, which I I really like that. Yeah. So yeah. so that's 
so to me, I I see like her replacing the Kents in a way. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, a human essentially that like like Clark can come home to and be like, "Oh my day! I just fought a giant caterpillar like with a brain." You know, <laughs> what the hell's going on? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Like, well, I don't know about that, but your rents do. <laughs> um, like well, enough of your excuses. <laughs> exactly. But, but but what I like, like, uh, like Clark is like such a good boy because there is a scene like that, you know, like reminds me of like Tobey Maguire Spider Man movies. You know, he comes home and he's all beat up, and like she's like, "Give me the rent," and like so Clark being Clark, you know, he's such a good. Good man, he's not like I have the rent here. Here you are. I just had, I just had to work a bit harder for it. But I, yeah, I do yeah. Have that. yeah. He, he just he pulls out like a wad of cash and says, "Here it is." You know, I got it he, for he's, you. He's very honest. Yeah. Uh, you know, like Clark Kent would be the type of person. You know, like if he went shopping, like like for clothes or whatever, and the cashier like forgot to scan something. Like he wouldn't go home without paying. He would go back into the shop and be like, "Oh, sorry, you forgot to scan this. I don't want to steal it." Yeah, you know, he's he's very honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you're you're hundred percent right. It's funny because I've done that. I've had uh, a customer that you know, I when I work in pizza shops and yeah. you know, hand their food and I hand the drink over and and he was like, "Oh, I already paid for my, I already got my drink." I was like, "Oh, okay." And then in my head, I was like, "Man, like." That guy's nicer than me. I would have been like, "Thank you for the other drink." <laughs> yeah, no, this, uh, like ho- hopefully no uh, police or uh, FBI are tapping into the conversation. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I've done it as well. You know, it's, oh, like you've you've not scanned that item. I I, I guess it's free. Like. Not my problem. It's, it's your it's your job to scan, to scan the item. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, I've I've been on like both ends of that. You know, like working in like different retail jobs. You know, sure. So, the, these things happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, a couple uh, quick questions I want to ask you as we uh, as we wrap up here. Um, so, throughout all Superman media, do you have a favorite uh, S logo? That uh, that one that is like that that sticks out in your brain. So that's that's the best one to me. Um, I think the sort of the one that we like the main the main one that we know. You know, it's you know it's like John Byrne sort of that sort of era. That's mm-hmm. the S that's on like all sort of um, paraphernalia, like pajamas and cups and mugs and. Pencil cases, you know, a lot of like, <laughs> uh, like Jose Garcia Lopez sort of uh, house art. That sure. that is like the perfect version of that S. Mm-hmm. But when we're um, looking at more sort of like stylized versions, uh, you can't go wrong with um, Kingdom Come. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just the. I really like the black background. I think it really works, and then just like the the strip. Through the middle, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, like I like it when we also have a, a more traditional um, Superman shield, but instead of a red, a yellow, it's black. You know, when you look at um, like Connor Kent's Superboy, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, when he's got the black T-shirt with just the red on it, I think that's really um, smart as well. 
the and the new 52k has that as well it's just the black s on the red k yeah yeah so, so that's a cool look um so with the james gunn new film coming out what what are you hoping to see uh that that you know both in terms of story and and also villain you know like a villain we haven't really seen yet in on film or at least in in, in the films because you know the tv show is like Lois and clark and uh smallville and uh and even superman and lois they've given us like you know a, a ton of villains but we haven't seen them on screen yet or in, in mm-hmm. big screen i should say so what in terms of like villains and story or themes or whatever are you really looking forward to with the new the new stuff coming I out? I think um you know we've kind of like touched on it quite uh, quite a lot when we were talking about this book but you know Superman at the heart is about truth and and hope and what it means to be human and like finding your uh, humanity. Mhm. Because I think, although, um, you know, he's an alien, you know, Superman is the, the ultimate illegal alien. Sure. Um, you know, he's a refugee, he's an immigrant. I think in, from another planet, I think in a lot of ways, he is the most human, or one of the most human uh, characters Um in the DC universe. And I just want a Superman movie that sort of embraces that um, uplifting, hopeful story. You know, a lot of, uh, not just DC movies, but a lot of Marvel movies and any sort of superhero movie. And like, like mainstream blockbuster movies in general, I think they're missing they're missing something you know I don't want to sound like an old curmudgeon <laughs> that they don't make movies like they used to and yeah. that, and that's that's true like movies nowadays are missing something and I think it's a little bit of joy and hope you know it's it's all about kind of disasters and how to to overcome um tragedy and trauma um you know and that that can work for a lot of characters you know like like batman sure then i would also like to see a happy hopeful uplifting batman movie that's why i love the end of the batman so much yeah Yeah. essentially it was about hope and i want to see that taken to the extreme of superman i just want a happy joyful um, Superman movie, you know, just like a movie that you go in and you, you're the character of Superman is smiling all the way through it. Mm-hmm. You're smiling watching it, and you just have a really good time. You know, you come out of the theater just feeling uplifted, yeah, and like yeah. the world is going to be a better place. It could be a better place if we have Superman. I, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, it's something I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, and I think the the way they've described it, James Gunn and Peter Safran saying, you know, he's a kind man in a world where kindness has kind of been overlooked, or you know, however however it's raised. I think I, as soon as they said that, it was just like slow clap. You know, yeah, you get it. 
you get it. That's that's what we've been missing for the past. But then, years. on the other hand of that, on the other side, I do love James Gunn. Mm -hmm. I think he's made some really good stuff. Uh, and I'm looking forward to what he does with other like DC um, properties. But I'm still not 100% sold that he's necessarily the right person to handle Superman. <laughs> either writing, either writing or directing. Like I don't know if, if his style quite fits with Superman, or at least how I want him to be portrayed. I'm not sure. I I don't disagree with you, and I've said as much in the past. Um, I, I I'm cautiously optimistic. I will put it that way. Whereas, like when he announced like Creature Commandos. I, I got excited immediately. I was like, oh, that's something that's right in his wheelhouse. That'll be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but who knows? You know, we'll we'll, yeah. uh, we'll see. And then with Guardians coming out later this year, uh, Guardians 3, I should say, I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, so who knows what the future holds? Um, uh, Jack, this has been such a blast. I'm glad we uh, we finally got to do this without kids puking all over me and stuff. So, <laughs> uh, hey, thanks for having me. I've been uh, restored to my regular size. Um, I'm back <laughs> uh, to to where I belong. Uh, still, still the same dull world that it was when I left. Yeah, so we we couldn't change that. Sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Jack, if people are uh, you know in the uh, in Brainiac ship looking through the bottle cities, looking for you out there in the interwebs or whatever, uh, where can they find you? You can find me uh, on my socials. Uh, both my Twitter and Instagram are both uh, at Jack Ingram ninety five. Um, my Etsy, where I have um, uh, my art, prints, and bookmarks, uh, and zines, um, including uh, the Star Wars swimsuit special that was done mm. uh, for charity. That's uh, Jack Ingram uh, art. Ingram is I N G R A M spell it like you say it and also i have started my own uh, youtube channel which i haven't actually posted in um, about a month and each time to get back to and that is a uh, jack and chill or it might be jack ampersand chill i can't remember but it's jack and chill um <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh we'll definitely plug that uh, uh at the release of the episode um and uh, as for me, you can find me at Four Comic Junkies on Twitter. Um, you can also um, email me for Comic Junkies at gmail.com. Please, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, write a review, subscribe, get the get the buds in ears, as we like to say. And uh, and as uh, as this Superman would say, if you're going to be, you know, if you're doing wrong out there, we're coming for you. I mean, not not us specifically. We'll probably call the police. No, I'm 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 coming for you. I'll, oh, okay. I'll, there we go. I'll, I'll, I'll fight. <laughs> yeah. All right. There we go. All right. You know, I'll you, uh, Jack is braver than I, am. and that's how we like that's how we like it here.